our saved neighbors, how we can love our lost neighbors. And you know, as we start today, I want to just kind of reflect on that. It's, um, today we're going to talk about that bottom part, which is self, putting to death ourself. And in some ways I think there's some other things that go along with that, but um, you can think of today as maybe a more negative teaching, the what not to do. But I want to think of it as these are the things that are going to detract from that mission we are talking about. God wants us to give Him our whole heart. He wants us to seek Him. He wants to be in a passionate relationship with us. And He wants us to be blessing one another. We talked about that. And we talked about how He's given us this mission to reach the lost. The verse there, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And Jeff talked last week about the Great Commission and and that mission of making disciples and um, of reaching the lost. If God's given us this mission, sometimes I wonder, why isn't it getting it done quicker? Why didn't the disciples get this done 600 years ago, 100 years ago? Why didn't they get this done in the 70s? In some ways, it might be because we're holding on to things and not fully on this mission. We're not trusting God with this mission, and there's things we're holding on to. So today, we're just going to talk about some of the things that detract from that, um, some of the enemies we have on this mission. So why don't we pray, and then we'll start to look at that a little bit. God, we we thank you for today. We thank you for the chance to, to be together and to hear from you. God, we thank you that you've given us such a great mission. God, I, I know, as for me, before I, I knew you and I was walking with you, I wasn't living for much. Uh, I wasn't doing much with my life. And God, you, you called me and you set me on a mission. You set each of us on a mission. God, to love you uh, and to reach this world. And we thank you for that. And God, we just pray that you'd reveal to us if there's anything that is keeping our heart from really following you and from obeying you and from, um, from this mission we're on. God, speak to each of us. God, I pray you'd really speak through your word. If there's anything that you'd want to put on each of our hearts, help us be ready to obey and to change. God, and to repent and turn our hearts back to you and Samaria. So we pray you'd bless this time and be speaking to us. Amen. Um, So the next slide here, just along with what I was talking about, just to set the framework, we're fleeing from our enemies so that we can cleave to God and obey Him. It's not just for the point of it. It's not, it's not because we want to focus in on our enemies. It's because we want to have an intimate relationship with God and we want to obey Him on this mission. And uh, there's some things that prevent that, but it's good not to focus on it. There's a quote here from A.W. Tozer. It says, Too many of our religious convictions are negative. We act not from a positive conviction that something is right, but from a feeling that the opposite is wrong. And I agree with that. I think sometimes I, I focus on the negatives, the things I shouldn't do. I can focus on that. I can get caught up in it. But it's not the point. The point is that I want to have a passionate relationship with God. The point is that those things take my heart away to somewhere else. And I, you know, I thought about this. Um, you know, that verse at the bottom we're going to talk about talks about denying ourselves. And the, the point of that is, is our relationship with God. And I, I thought about the same thing as it relates to my wife, Sarah. You know, there's a lot of things that I would deny that aren't just for the point of denying. It's so that I could be close to her. 
you know, there's things that in themselves wouldn't be wouldn't be bad, but I'm not going to do. Um, I think of I I used to live with some of these guys here with Zach and Dave and some of these guys and and we like to stay up late and play board games. We like to play Settlers of Catan and Risk and some of these games. And it was a good thing and I have fun playing them. But I'm going to make a choice not to be out late playing games with these guys because I'm supposed to be home. So that's a bad thing. It's that now there's probably somewhere else I should be now that I'm married. I'm going to make a choice that I don't want to work probably 60 hours a week every week or I'm not going to be home investing in my relationship. I think things would start to go poorly if I wasn't around. Um, I'm going to make a choice not to be close to other women. I'm going to be making some of these choices not to lust because that's going to ruin my relationship. The point isn't those things. The point isn't that I shouldn't go play games with some of the guys. The point is that there's something else I should be investing in and there's something else I care more about. So I deny those things for that relationship. And it's the same way with God. And um, next verse, I think, even to think of as it relates to today's Valentine's Day, to celebrate love, to celebrate, you know, often you think of the love between a man and his wife and that kind of thing. This is a verse I just thought of. God is, is passionate about each of us and wants that relationship. He said, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so your God will rejoice over you. Your God is passionate about having a relationship with you. With you. And he wants us to each be passionate back at him, to want to seek him, to follow after him, to give him our heart, and even to give him our whole heart. So the first enemy we're going to talk about that will take us out of that is our flesh. Um, There's a verse here talks about it. This is Jesus talking. It says, Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. anyone would come after me. We must deny our flesh. We must deny ourselves and seek Him instead. Um, How to fight our flesh taking over, just investing in ourselves. Sometimes there's a lot of denying. Um, One example I was thinking of with the Olympics coming up, it's not quite maybe the Winter Olympics, but got a picture here. I haven't read on my order. Does anybody know who this is? <laughs> Michael Phelps. I heard it somewhere. Some of you get really into the Winter Olympics. I grew up swimming, so I get into the Summer Olympics. Um, I was I was looking at. I, I looked into it a little bit. You know, how did Michael Phelps get to where he is that he, he won, what was it, eight gold medals last year? What, what did he do that was different than other people that he got there? I was thinking about that as far as denying his flesh. So I read, I read an article in, in a health magazine just to hear about a little about what he did that might be different than other people. Um, it says that he consumes a staggering 12,000 calories a day. An average man needs 2,000. Powerlifters eat somewhere around 8,000. Says he's a real powerhouse of fitness. 
His breakfast typically consists of three fried egg sandwiches topped with cheese, lettuce, tomatoes, fried onions, mayonnaise, toast, an omelet, porridge, three pancakes, and two cups of coffee. This breakfast could easily feed the average family. I agree, that's a lot of food. It's not all eaten at once, though. Before practice, he eats cereal or oatmeal, and then after practice, it's eggs, omelets, and veggies. Sounds like he is on an egg diet. His lunch usually consists of a pound of pasta um, with two ham and cheese sandwiches and approximately a thousand calories of energy drinks on top of that. For dinner, he has more pasta, another pound of it, with a pizza and some more energy drinks. In addition to this, he will take protein supplements to keep his muscles in top condition. A swimmer's diet needs to combine protein and carbohydrates to ensure there's a good muscular growth and endurance. Phelps trains for six hours a day, six days a week, without fail. Even if Christmas Day falls on his training day, he does a full day of training. Total dedication to his training program has made him a world champion. He swims approximately 50 miles each week, which is over eight miles per training day. He has two massages every day and also takes ice baths to help him recover. And it talks about how he won eight gold medals in this last Olympic. Um, and it says he not only won the gold medals in most of those races, but in most of the cases broke the world records. And I mention that because obviously he has a pretty different lifestyle than most of us. A different eating habit, a different training habit. Um, and I don't think he does that just for the point that it's fun to eat eggs for every meal. It's fun to eat pasta. I did swimming. I was so sick of pasta by the end of high school. I had to like take a few years off because they told me to eat it every night before meets. They'd have us go out to these all-you-can-eat pasta restaurants to try to eat more pasta. And I just wanted a good steak instead or something else or hamburger, but it was always pasta. I don't think he, he did all that for the sake of it. I don't think he did it because um, he really had fun being in the pool six hours a day on Christmas Day. I don't think he did it because he really liked eating eggs and porridge again that morning. But he did it because he had a goal in mind that he wanted to be a world champion. He wanted to win gold medals. And through his dedication and through, I think, God giving him a pretty pretty amazing powerhouse of a body to be able to swim like that, he won eight gold medals and he beat all those world records. And I mention that because I think in some ways we're even after something more noble than gold medals of seeking God, of doing his will. And in the same way, we have to have a different regiment than what this world has in the way we deal with our flesh if we're going to seek God, if we're going to be at the level of not just someone that limps into God and knows God a little bit, but someone that really does something in his kingdom and someone that knows him in a personal way. Um, Next slide here. There's some things we must deny ourselves of if we're going to be a powerhouse like that in a walk walk of faith here. Just a few things I wrote down is we're going to have to deny ourselves of our desires. Just like he did, he must, there's a few examples there, he had to deny himself of some of his desires of maybe doing something else with Christmas morning or not being in the pool six hours a day and just going to a movie or eating hamburgers for dinner instead of pasta. 
we have to deny ourselves the things that take our desires away. It's easy to just feed our flesh. I think of food. I mean, there's things that just we can be gluttons and want to want to eat. We can have sexual desires that um, they're outside of God's plan for marriage that we can feed. That we need to deny ourselves if we want to be close to God. On the next one here, we need to we need to deny ourselves of comfort. That can be an enemy of seeking God. Is that we want to be comfortable. We want to sleep in. We want to have an easy life. We don't want to stand out. Uh, I think so many times um, it's a good thing to get up in the morning and see God. And a lot of times I'd rather just hit the snooze button and sleep in longer and be comfortable than deny myself and seek the Lord. And that can be reflected in my walk with Him. The more I, I give in to the flesh and making it easy on me instead of really seeking Him. Um, another thing I thought of is that we want popularity in some sense or another. We want friendships. We want to please men. Um, we can feed our flesh to just want to, to want to look good. And we'll talk about this a little more with the world, but um, we just want to feed into our flesh and how we look. Um, I think in contrast, a few things we need to discipline ourselves in um, be the other side. What can we do instead that might discipline our flesh and obey God? Um, he must deny himself. And the second part says, take up his cross daily and follow me. And some things I think that we can take up our cross daily and follow him in is instead of investing in our flesh, investing in prayer. You know, how are we doing? Um, you know, again, Michael Phelps says six hours of swimming, and there's probably other things he'd rather be doing. How are we doing at putting our time in, in our prayer life? Um, the next one, I'm not sure what order these are coming in the Word. How are we doing at getting in the Word and seeking God? Um, David said, I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We need to discipline ourselves in the Word to seek Him. God's told us to. Um, we need to discipline ourselves in our sleep, not being, again, not being lazy. A lot of times it means just set that alarm clock and get up at 6 in the morning before you go to work um, and not sleep in or set it at 5 o'clock. Some of you are early ones, not to scare college students. It gets earlier as you get out of college. If you want to seek God, sometimes it really means there's times in my life where if I really wanted a good quiet time and prayer time before I needed to be at work, it was at 4 in the morning. And my choice was, am I going to get up at 4 in the morning and do it? Or am I going to sleep in until 5 in the morning? <laughs> Sounds a little silly, but sometimes that's where our choice is. Um, our work. Are we going to just feed into our work? Are we going to discipline that? That's um, discipline our work to be honoring to God. Are we going to be comfortable and just try to be lazy at it? Or are we going to obey Him? Um, just our relationships. Are we going to? Are we going to feed? Um, just negative relationships? Are we going to discipline ourselves to invest in people that God might want us to? Uh, I think I'm going to do one more. And just, um, he said, take up your cross and follow me. Are we going to discipline ourselves to obey even when it's hard? Those are just a few areas I thought of, but God wants us to be disciplining ourselves to overcome the flesh. Um, not to give in to those things, to just kind of give in to desire and comfort and popularity, but to be lean Christians and know how to say no, know how to not give in to things and to follow Him. Um, we need to make, you know, daily we're going to be able to choose. Do we want to invest in our flesh and give in to those desires, or do we want to obey Christ? 
and daily we're going to have to choose to take up our cross and obey and follow Him and invest in some of the things on this list instead of our flesh. Um, this is a, this next quote is kind of based off Galatians 6.8. I thought he put it well. He's, John, John Stott said, So many Christians sow to the flesh every day and wonder why they do not reap holiness. Holiness is a harvest. Whether we reap it or not depends almost entirely on what and where we sow. Um, it's a harvest. You know, Galatians 6.8 says, He who sows to the flesh will reap destruction. But he sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life. Um, and it's a harvest what comes back. And it has much to do with what we're sowing. Are we sowing to accomplish the things that are on that cross diagram that we talked about the last month? Or are we sowing to our flesh? That's where we're going to reap. It's not what we talk about. It's not what we think about. It's not what we'd rather reap. It's where we're sowing, most likely. Enemy number two, the world. It's a long verse up there. But this is in 1 John 2. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. There's a pretty strong call here not to be giving our hearts over the world. Do not love the world or any sin in the world. Strong enough to say that if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not even in him at all. If his heart is loving the world. Um, that's a strong statement. I want to be able to play with the world. I want to be able to play with sin and have it say, the love of the Father is in him a little less. I didn't get to write this. So it says the love of the Father is not in him. Um, Our heart's going to go one way, to the world or to the Father. Um, A few of the things it talks about in there on the next slide are the ways that our heart might be given to the world. The cravings of sinful man. It's just craving and wanting more from the world. There's a craving and longing for more, more money, more fame, more all these things. Um, we crave and want more of it. The next one talks about the lust of the eyes, just envying and lusting, seeing whether it's somebody else's wife, whether it's someone's car, whether it's any of these things. Our eyes just looks to the world and wants what's out there if we're given to our flesh, if we're looking at that instead of God. And it also talks about um, the boasting of what he has and does. Boasting of his possessions, his employment, or appearance. Um, you know, whether that's his car, the dollar amount someone can have. There's a boasting um, that we do to, uh, to try to pursue a certain image from ourselves. Um, I have a little example here. Being Valentine's Day, we're going to pass out a gift. Of the wife here is going to start handing around a basket. Please take one of these and pass them around. I she might hand them out. It's very chocolatey and heart-shaped. I'll give you a hint. You can each have a chocolate, a chocolate heart. So 
If you didn't get any other chocolate today, you got some at church. But, yeah, so you got some clapping. Who likes chocolate? I was, uh, it's an example I was thinking about. In some ways, I think our flesh can be a matter of our will. What we're sowing to and what we're investing to, what we're doing, do we choose to... Um, wake up early and seek God or do we not? Do we choose to, to go out praying for an hour or do we choose to watch TV? Um, I think sometimes being given to the world is a matter of where our heart is. So you each have a heart. Just to make a little example, you have one inside your body too, but just think of it as your heart. We read earlier that God is passionate about you and wants to have your whole heart. And we, you know, one of the verses we started with is that we want to love, he told us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so there's some things in this world that just steal our heart from God. So take a piece of that, break it off, throw it on the floor, and just smash it in. So a few things that might steal our heart from God, um, some of these I kind of mentioned, but money, or wealth, or retirement, um, our heart can go after these things and even desire that um, more than God. I think, I think sometimes it's easy to, to think about that sometimes. I don't know about you, but I, I set up a little retirement account at work, and sometimes it can be easy to just want to like check that every day or see how it's going or add up numbers and be done with working someday or get your heart on that. And I think a lot of people are literally working so that when they turn 65, they can hit the golf course. That's the goal of their life, whether they say it or not. Um, I think God's been reproving me in that area even to say, you know, your goal is never to retire. I think, uh, I think if I were to retire from that job, it would be working at the church full-time or something. So I think that would be in retirement. But my, God's just been trying to get a hold of my heart in that area even, not to be given over to those things. I think houses. I think Sarah and I are starting to look for a house this year, maybe to do it while the government's giving out money. And it's easy to... It's easy to uh, just get your heart in that area. I found it's a lot easier to spend time just looking at the internet at listings and getting in the words sometimes. My heart could be more given to how's that going than how's my prayer life going. Um, impure desire and lust. Just a lust for the world, a lust for what's out there. Um, even sexually entertainment can steal our heart from God just talking about the football season and it getting done I found sometimes I could I could just want to hear the latest article I leave sports radio on a lot of the day not a lot of radio stations come in at my work because it's like right downtown and there's all these weird satellites going on and stuff but I found that my entertainment can steal my heart from God that I get into work and more than wanting to put on a teaching I want to hear how, how the games went on Sunday and um, I can want to hear updates about who's the passing leader in the NFL and and I know you know who won Super Bowls in the 80s somewhat I want to be entertained and I can steal my heart from God um, 
vanity, you know, we can we can want to put out a way that we look. We can continually try to look a certain way when we don't, and our heart can just get into to trying to um, just to build up an image that might not even be true. Um, the Bible says a man looks at outward appearance, but God tests the heart. God will see through that, but we try to put all this work into how we look compared to one another. I think I have a verse up there. You know, in the midst of that, God said, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's a challenging verse to me. Um, I'm not going to find God this week if my heart's given over to other things. If I care more about what's going on in the Olympics than God, I'm probably not going to see Him work in my life and hear from Him. If I care more about making money at work, I'm probably not going to hear from God this week. It's when we seek Him with all our heart that He says we'll find Him and then He'll speak to us. All right. The third enemy we're going to talk about is the devil. If you actually want to grab a Bible, we use one today. How does that sound? Other than just being on the screen. And turn to page 1203. That's 1 Peter 5. If you brought your own Bible.
The devil is against the mission that God gave us. We've been talking about the last month, this mission, um, you know, the mission really, is to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. The devil would like for nothing more than to us to not be involved with that mission. He doesn't want to see that mission happen. He doesn't want us to be a part of it. Um, so some of the reasons he tries to get us to go after our flesh and the world is that he opposes us. He opposes God and is trying to defeat Him. Um, a few things to think about. Of how to, uh, the next point is just how do we, how do we combat? How do we defeat Him then? Um, the first thing goes on there is just to be of sober spirit. It says right there in, um, it says right there in the Scripture to be sober-minded, be self-controlled. Uh, New American would say sober-minded, I think. Um, and I've been thinking about that. I think, I think over the years God's increased my sobriety of the devil, of the seriousness of being in battle. You know, I think when I was when I was a young man, I thought um, it was fun to be a part of church. It was fun to be in it, and I was I was worshiping and I was serving God with this family of believers. And in a lot of ways, I've been sobered through the years to see people that the devil has taken out of the mission, has taken out of the family. Um, I've seen people in our leadership team that were serving and um, maybe leading a small group, and they were taken out because they believed the lies of the devil instead of obeying God. I've seen people that were even pastors that were taken out because they believed the lies of the devil instead of being obedient to God, having a heart um, to seek Him. So, um, you know, the Scripture says, "Be be sober-minded. Don't don't take it flippantly that we have an enemy that is seeking to devour us." Um, and there's a few things, you know, with once we're we're sober, the next thing is to be humble. Um, I was thinking, Rich has talked about this, but some of you in Fort Collins, the church we used to go to, used to have these shirts that just said, Pride kills. If we get proud, we think we can defeat Satan. I think sometimes, you know, the Bible would say very clearly that Satan was defeated by Christ when he came back from the dead and that one day he'll defeat him. And so it's easy for us to think we can defeat him on our own too. If God did, right? Um, the truth of it is, Satan is, it calls Satan in the Bible crafty. It calls him um, that he's been given some dominion. We need to be humble that if um, we need help, we're not going to defeat him on our own. Be in the protection of the flock. Um, looking at this chapter when it talks about it the verses right before this if you look, if you still have your Bible open if you look at verse 5 it says young men in the same way be submissive to those who are older all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time and if you back up even a little more, it says, um, talking to pastors, it says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you're a must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. 
God uses the avenue of a local church as a protection. He calls it a flock, that one of the words for pastors is a shepherd. And it just means that God is going to use uh, just this avenue of a church that he uses the shepherd to protect his flock. Just like a shepherd with his sheep, one of the, his roles is to scare off any wolves and to kill them if they try to attack his sheep, to try to keep them from getting stuck in a ditch, to try to keep them from all these things. Um, Jeff and, and Grace would probably know this a little more than me, but sheep are a pretty dumb animal, so they easily get stuck places and stuck in corners and fall over and get lost and distracted, and they can die pretty easily over things you wouldn't expect them to. Um, and we're kind of the same way in our Christian life. Um, we need to be under that protection in the same way we're like those sheep that can easily get distracted in something, look at something in the world and go off into it. Um, we need to be in the protection of the flock. And one of the ways this happens, the next point, is that taking correction um, overcomes deceit. The Bible says that Satan is a deceiver. He wants to deceive each of us and turn us against God, to turn us into the world, to have us under his control, pretty much. And one of the ways that God uses to keep us from heading that is that we are corrected. One of the ways that's probably going to happen is in the context of a local church, that you're in the protection of a flock. Um, Even for me as a pastor, there's a protection of being in a flock. I have co-pastors that if I'm running off, I'm being a, one of the dumb sheep that's getting stuck in a hole. There's people that can correct me and point me back on. Satan's a deceiver. I've been deceived so many times in my life to think that I was right, that something I was doing was right, when it was really sin. And one of the ways we can overcome that is by taking correction and doing it. Um, Proverbs says, A foolish man, after much reproof, hardens his neck. Um, We're foolish if we harden our neck to people reproving us because that's God's avenue for keeping us safe from avoiding um, the schemes of the devil. Another way, it says to be alert. We need to have our eyes up that there is this battle and pray. We need to pray for God's protection. We need to pray for God's grace and pray for God's strength. Ultimately, whether we're going to make it in the Christian life will come down to are we cleaving to Him and trusting Him to keep us as His child. There's nothing I can do to work harder. Obviously, I can make good decisions to obey God, but um, if I'm going to stay a Christian and stay following Him the rest of my life, it's not going to be because I'm just grinding my wheels harder. I'm trying to resist the devil. I'm trying to defeat Him. It's because I'm being alert of the schemes that run around me. I'm praying for God's help. I'm taking correction in some of these areas, but we can't be naive or have our guard down. You know, that same example of a shepherd with a sheep, you know, um, if a shepherd's sleeping on a job, the flock's going to be taken out. And each of us as a Christian has at least needs to guard our own heart. The Bible says to watch over your own heart. Um, and we need to be alert to schemes coming in and pray for God's help, pray for His protection, pray for humility. And the last way, it says resist Him in First Peter there. We need to make a conscious choice that we're going to resist his schemes. Um, 
and that might you know go more to our will it's that once once we've been corrected you know a lot of times I've been corrected in something I could say sure the person that corrected me was right but I don't really make any effort <laughs> I don't make any changes I don't show any resistance I, I think of that as there is a part where with God's help we're going to we're going to um, just work to resist the devil's schemes and work to obey God. Um, but it needs to be in the context of those things above it. That that's not the framework of things. That we're resisting him as hard as we can so we'll be okay. But it does say to resist his schemes, to turn from sin, to turn to God. And there's action in, in resisting evil and, and turning to God. Those are the three, the three major enemies we wanted to talk about today. But it's important to remember all of these enemies ultimately are trying to destroy your relationship with God. Satan is against us and is trying to destroy the connection we have with him. He's trying to take us off that mission. Even so subtly, he's trying to pull us down. He's trying to have us go after something that's not quite as good of a mission as that slowly Um, but we need to trust God to stay on this mission Um, and obviously like I said the ultimate goal as many of you have eaten them by now was to keep your little heart there um, given over to the Lord fully your whole heart over to the Lord and not have any part of it taken out Um, we need to be sober minded in that Uh, Rich is going to share next week and just kind of wrap up this Burning for His Glory series one more week just to kind of bring things to a close but um, hope God just put a few things on your heart maybe that we're a little more given to than we think we are we're a little more proud of ourselves and not quite as humble as we need to be to to resist the schemes of the devil so why don't we pray and then we'll uh, call it a day God, we thank you for today. We thank you, um, again, that you've given us such a great mission to be a part of. You've given us such a great family. And more than that, you've given us yourself. God, the the goal of our lives is to seek you, to be with you, and to to obey you, to live our lives in a way that honors you. I just pray you would help us be sober-minded. God, that there is a battle going on. There's bullets flying by. There's people being taken out. And God, help us be men and women that um, are humble and take correction. God, help us be men and women of prayer that we would ask you for your help. I pray that you would protect this flock. In one sense, you said that verse that that the overseers would protect the flock. But ultimately, God, we say that it's through you that anything, uh, the protection that comes would be through you working. We pray you'd protect each of us in our hearts that we'd be We'd be a group of Christians that would follow you for our whole lives, that we wouldn't be taken out along the way or given over to something um, ignoble, but that we would honor you with our lives and follow you wholeheartedly, God. Um, And we just thank you for today and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty, well thank you again for coming. Uh, We will hopefully see you on Wednesday at Outreach Class. Otherwise, we'll be back here next Sunday.